Hello and welcome back to Building Blue Zones podcast. This is episode eight, COVID-19 and the vaccine. I am DeMarco Gaddy, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Falkowitz, here live, naked faced. Naked face. Yeah. You have a beard, Nick. What? (laughs) I do? Yeah, you do. Oh boy. Yeah, it's Uh, been one of those weeks, huh? Yeah, so I didn't have a beard at the beginning of the week. It's been one of those weeks, <laughs> I guess. I guess it's been one of those weeks. It's been First week. week after the new year started, you got to get the rust off. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been one of those weeks, I, I guess I didn't realize. I well, you had a straight man beard Yo, yeah. over over the break. Yeah. Yep. So good to see you trimmed down. Um, so... You know what, Nick? I, I really didn't want to talk about what we're going to talk about today for a really long time because it's talked about everywhere. It's on the news. It's on uh, your grandma's talking about it at the Thanksgiving table. You know, you, mm. you're tired of it. You're mm-hmm. really tired of it. Yeah. We understand, but we think it's important to talk about, especially now that the vaccine's out. Uh, a lot of people are skeptical about it. There's a lot of information to take in. There's a lot of data to take in. So we thought it would be really nice to summarize it for you and have kind of a one-stop shop for you to understand what's going on and uh, give a little background here on what COVID-19 is, um, what viruses are, what the vaccine is, and uh, what you should do about it. Mm -hmm. And maybe talk a little bit about your just natural immunity, as we always do, a little bit of positive things there that you can do, empower yourself, so, Nick, why don't we go ahead and get started? I know you did a little bit of research on yep. viruses. So. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, so before I even do that, I call it a sandwich cookie. We're going to start off with good news. Mm. Good news is it's a new year. It's new us. That goes to all of you listeners out there. 2021, baby. It's here. It's going to be a great year for everybody. Now the bad news, we're going to get into what the virus is, all that <laughs> stuff. All and that the stuff good that news, we're bringing, we're bringing baggage from 2020. Yep, yep. But it happened. <laughs> yeah. And then, as we've seen the first week of this, <laughs> this year. and then the good news at the very end of the podcast, you got to stick it through to the end if you want to hear that good news. You're gonna make All it. Right. You're gonna make it. All right. Okay. Great. So let's get started here. Uh, and so with this, I actually watched a short lecture um, from Dr. Michael Lynn of Stanford. He's an associate. Uh, professor over there at Stanford, and he really broke down uh, what the coronavirus was, where it came from, all that juicy stuff that everyone's been dying to know. So I'm going to break that down really quick and uh, do some quick little takeaways. Uh, So first off, coronavirus is not a new virus to the humans. Uh, They actually surprisingly account for 10 to 30% of cases of the common cold. So the common cold is actually uh, a form of a coronavirus. So they can easily hop from species to species. Now that could be a bat, that could be a mouse, that could be a rat, it could be you know various things, right? So there are three different types right now. Uh, there are, there's MERS, CoV, uh, and that's from the Middle East. There is SARS-CoV-1 and SARS-CoV-2. Now SARS-CoV-2 is uh, what everyone has been calling COVID-19. So that's what we're all familiar with. The good news is that it's actually 80% identical to the original SARS-CoV that hopped from bats to humans in 2003. 
So we're kind of seeing a trend here because uh, it happened from bats to humans again. Now, why is that good news? It's good news because we kind of had a head start when finding out medicines and vaccines for COVID-19 back when this uh, whole pandemic started. So we had a little bit of a head start, which is good. Now, the structure of both SARS-CoV-1 and CoV-2 is the same, and it's called an envelope virus. So uh, influenza is also an envelope virus. Why is this important? Well, an envelope virus is relatively easy to kill. It is easy to disrupt or break the plasma membrane that surrounds the virus. Uh, the membrane is easily disrupted by detergents or alcohol, and the virus protein inside is easily killed by bleach. Yeah, quick plug here. Um, easily killed by bleach outside the body, correct, Nick? Yes, not ingesting. <laughs> okay. The, Just want to make sure. Or Tide Pods. Okay, people, uh, do not <laughs> the ingest. the second time we've had to talk about this. Tide uh, Pods. Don't, they're not going to heal you. It's terrible for you. Yeah, it's not good. It's worse. Yeah, you don't want to. You, you don't want to do that. You don't want Find that. another snack, folks. Yeah, you do like juicy gummy fruit or something? Yeah, like a gummy fruit. Same consistency. Gummy fruit. Juicy fruit. The gum would okay. not be a snack, people. Don't don't swallow that either. Yeah. Nick, bad advice there. Bad yeah, no, advice. I'm I'm saying it's not good advice, oh. so don't do it. Oh, okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, any common cleaning agents or disinfectants will do a great job killing COVID nineteen. Uh, now, that's the why behind it. We all knew this because this is what we've been doing from the very beginning. But that's that's the why behind it because it's an envelope virus, very easy to um, break that plasma membrane. Now. Uh, another really interesting fact is that coronaviruses are uh, also very sensitive to temperature and to UV. So studies have shown that COVID is two to three times more sensitive to UV than uh, influenza, actually. Furthermore, when exposed to direct sunlight for two to three hours, the survival rate for COVID drops tenfold. So two to three hours straight in sunlight, the dried virus um, survival rate drops dramatically. Now, um, when we get to surfaces that are not affected by UV, so something that's in a controlled environment like a grocery store, for instance, um, is the virus more likely to stay alive on one surface over another? Yes. According to a recent article in the New England Journal of Medicine uh, that measured COVID-19 on four different surfaces, its survival rate after allowing it to dry on the surface ranged anywhere from six hours to 72 hours, depending on the surface. So they measured it on four. I'm going to go through them really, really quick. There was copper, cardboard, stainless steel, and plastic. Like if you're holding onto a grocery cart, that's plastic and steel. So um, copper was six hours. It was all killed. Cardboard was 12 to 24 hours before it was all dead. Stainless steel was 24 hours to 48 hours and plastic was by far the longest at 48 hours to 72 hours of survival rate. Um, so moral of the story, Marco. Just another reason not to use plastic, right? Yeah, yep, yep. And so that's why we use stainless mm, steel love that sound. Gotta love that water sound. bottles, not plastic. We didn't plug this in our sustainability episode, but stop drinking out of plastic water bottles. Yep. They're bad for you and they're bad for the environment. Exactly. You heard, it, you heard it here. I love you bridging, first. bridging the episodes, connecting the dots. This mm -hmm. is great. I also want to talk about it really quickly, the UV thing. Um, we have seen a, kind of a big uh, rise in cases, and that's probably because 
the in part the uv index is a lot lower in the winter time here obviously in the united states so um that's one of the reasons and it's also because you're in closer proximity a lot of people are doing indoor activities instead of outdoor so that's why we see those spikes case, case numbers spike yeah, and now that point. we're talking about case numbers we might as well talk about what is going on today so as of today there happens to be um let's see let me pull up the the actual numbers here so we can be incredibly accurate so as of today there is 22 million four hundred fifty six thousand and nine hundred and two cases and there's been three hundred seventy eight thousand and about uh, about three hundred seventy eight thousand deaths uh and that that both of those numbers are pretty difficult to actually determine we saw a lot of different data um it, it's obviously difficult CDC, to determine right? it's such a yeah cdc this these are cdc numbers it's difficult to determine because there's just so many factors that go into deaths so many factors that go into cases such as uh for cases for instance uh there's people that aren't gonna actually go and turn in uh like go and actually take a test that might actually have it might be asymptomatic and then for deaths people you know may die of some other comorbidity and they didn't actually die directly from covid but it's actually hard to determine when they have mm. these significant other illnesses right um so those are just two things that kind of skew the data makes it harder to determine not necessarily that it's better or worse it's just hard to determine exact numbers. Mm. So hopefully down the road when everything settles, we'll actually know exactly what these numbers are. But overall right now, uh, we think the death ratio for COVID-19 is 1.7%, um, which is significant, but, and those are from the number of ca from from cases. So people that get, uh, that test positive for COVID-19 that is the death rate and mm -hmm. it is significant but it's thank god it's much less than we originally thought back in late 2019 early 2020 when everyone thought it was like going to be five to ten percent um so it's yeah. actually very good that it's much lower we've had viruses in the past that have been those high numbers and just killed uh millions of people so millions and millions of people. So it's, uh, that is a good thing, but still, still a pandemic, still a big deal. Um, and also one thing that was interesting about the data, uh, that we found was that it was definitely biased towards age. So as you get, uh, essentially the, the younger classification without comorbidities or anything like that, younger people essentially is very, very low your risk of death. Uh, not that it doesn't happen, but it's it, it's significantly lower. Um, and then as you get older, your immune system decreases. Uh, you have you start to get other comorbidities that ties into this. But as you get older, the trend exponentially increases for for risk of death. So um, also, I want to talk about comorbidities really quick. Yeah, what is that? Well, comorbidity uh, basically is a simultaneous presence of two or more diseases or medical conditions in a patient. Mm -hmm. So one of the diseases would be COVID-19, obviously, yeah. and the other could be a respiratory illness like influenza or lower respiratory, chronic respiratory condition. 
Uh, it could also be obesity. It could be asthma. It could be a number of things, really. Uh, high blood pressure. Yeah. Many things could lead to, to could be a comorbidity that could cause uh, a, a, a risk of death, a higher risk of death. And that right. higher risk of death is actually 83.3% of all COVID deaths were were people with at least one comorbidity, which wow. is really high. Yeah. It's extremely high. That is, that is. I mean, that would almost, uh, I mean, it, it almost just goes into the point that like, Comorbidity, whether it's uh, avoidable or not, is almost having a direct correlation right. or a very strong causation for causing mortality with uh, COVID-19. Well, yeah, it's just another reason to be as healthy Huge. as you possibly can. I right. mean, you can reduce your risk so much. I mean, mm -hmm. you saw the, the the healthy population, even though, yes, there's some things that you can't control, they're genetic. You're, you know, you're born with them. Right. We understand that. And um, it, it's it's tough. But it, even those people could be as healthy as they possibly can, eating the right things, and they can reduce other comorbidities that they might exactly. get. Exactly. So that's yes. why it's so important yep. to keep your immune system strong, eat the right things, stay active if you can. Uh, but let's talk about uh, immune systems. Yeah, let's let's do it. So uh, I grabbed this uh, little piece of data that I'm going to share with you guys really quickly. I grabbed it right from uh, CDC. So this is right off their website. Um, and so I'm going to read it really quickly. Basically, how our immune system defends against COVID the first time a person is infected with the virus that causes COVID-19 can take several days or weeks for the body to make and use all of the germ-fighting tools uh, which are basically just macrophages, phagocytes, um, B lymphocytes, and T lymphocytes needed to get over the infection. So after the infection, the person's immune system remembers what it's learned uh, due to T and B lymphocytes and uh, basically remembers what it's learned about how to protect the body against the disease. Now, um, I just kind of talked about this. The body keeps a few T lymphocytes called memory cells that go into action quickly if the body encounters the same virus again. This happens for all viruses, not just COVID-19. But anyway, I digress. When the familiar antigens are detected, B lymphocytes uh, produce antibodies that attack them. So everyone is saying, do I have the antibodies? Do I have the antibodies? B lymphocytes are the cells that actually produce the antibodies that will help uh, protect you against COVID-19 in the future. So experts are still learning how long these memory cells protect a person against the virus that causes COVID-19. Um, and that's a kind of a big portion right there. They don't know. Could be a few weeks, could be a few months, could be a year. We don't know how long these memory cells last. So how the vaccine works. COVID-19 vaccines help our bodies to develop immunity to the virus uh, that causes COVID-19 without us having to get the illness therefore uh, lowering our risk for mortality, essentially. Uh, different types of vaccines work in different ways to offer protection, but with all types of vaccines, the body is left with a supply of memory T lymphocytes as well as B lymphocytes that will remember how to fight the virus in the future. So it typically takes uh, a few weeks for the body to produce the T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes after vaccination. So that's a pretty huge portion right there. Um, 
basically meaning that it is possible for a person uh, that they could get infected with the virus that causes COVID-19 just before or after vaccination. So you're not guaranteed just because you get vaccinated the same day uh, that you, that you could still get sick basically. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good point. And that's not a new thing. That's pretty much with any vaccine. I mean, it, your, your body has to have that chance to produce those, those uh, fighting proteins essentially. And um, there's some right. other things that with these vaccine that is, is not uncommon. And we'll talk about that soon. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much done to, uh, talking about that. I mean, if, if you had any questions about what I just breezed through really quick, but uh, I mean, we can start talking about the COVID-19 vaccines that are available right now. Yeah. So, yeah. So essentially there's three main types of COVID-19 vaccines they're ongoing, undergoing like long, large scale uh, clinical trials in the United States. Two of them have been authorized for emergency use. Mm. That's the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer. Uh, that I'm sure you've heard these companies now because they're they're the two companies that have been approved. Um, they've been approved in other countries as well. Uh, so they're being they're being used at a large scale here. So there are two kind of main differences between these. Both are structured very similarly. Um, they're both mRNA vaccines. Mm -hmm. But um, importantly here, the, the amounts that, well, first let's talk about the efficacy. The efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine is about 95% at preventing symptomatic COVID infection. So, mm -hmm. uh, just to pause right there for a second, that's preventing symptomatic infection. So that's not preventing you from contracting the virus. Um, it's just preventing you from the virus flourishing within your body and right. mutating a bunch of your cells and basically giving you those symptoms, those chronic symptoms that can cause death. Right. So that is a great thing that it actually is going to help you prevent death, but not necessarily is going to prevent the or dampen the curve or stop the number of cases that are happening. Uh, so that's why it's important that everyone at risk should get it, the vaccine. And we'll talk about that more later. But the Moderna vaccine actually has a 94% uh, efficacy at preventing symptomatic COVID-19. So again, same thing there. It's preventing symptomatic uh, COVID case. So it's 1% lower. Uh, so both of them mm -hmm. are pretty relatively close mm -hmm. in um, their efficacy rating. So the uh, they both also require two doses, um, which basically there's no difference from from my understanding in the two doses. It's just gives your body more of the same protein, mm -hmm. ex like basically gives your body a chance to uh, have more cells see that protein and be able to recognize that protein so that they can create the things necessary to fight the, the virus. So just a heavier dose to um, get your body that experience it needs to fight against the virus when it does encounter it. Um, the thing that is different though is that the time between the vaccines um, the two doses, the Moderna is 
uh, actually seven days longer in between the two doses. So the Moderna is 28 days uh, between the doses and the Pfizer vaccine is 21 days. And also each dose of the Pfizer contains 30 micrograms of vaccine, while the Moderna is a much, much larger dose. It's actually about three, a little bit more than three times at 100 micrograms. So considerably larger dose for the Moderna, and it's actually efficacy rating is less, uh, it's like 1% less. So we think it makes sense to go with the Pfizer if you have the ability to do so. The only negative, the biggest negative that I saw is that the Pfizer has to be stored at a significantly colder temperature at negative 94 Fahrenheit. So that I could see a logistical issue with that, with just not being able to contain Mm -hmm. uh, that vaccine. And there's probably going to be places where they just can't. It has to be transported and stored. Right. Transported and stored at that temperature. Right. So there's going to be logistical issues with getting that one out probably as easily as the Moderna, but um, we'll see hopefully how that gets rolled out. It looks like um, they haven't delivered as many vaccines as they said would be at this time, but we'll, we'll keep a lookout on that and hopefully they mm-hmm. keep keep building the infrastructure and make it widely available. So what's, what's the Moderna temperature? The Moderna is negative four. Okay. So, so still cold, diff- still big, cold, big but difference, big huh? difference, big sure. difference. Yeah. So yeah, there's not many, so that's probably not many that's the only medical negative. freezers that can, can hold that. So that has to, the infrastructure has to be created and there's only several places it can be dispatched from essentially. Right. Um, so let's talk about, there, there, there's a lot of talk about some of the side effects, people were just being scared since this was turned around so quickly. Um, it's never been done before. It's actually a, a great uh, achievement for the medical community that these were uh, so incredibly, uh, a, were able to treat the virus so incredibly well and have such a limited time. So um, for the vaccines for both cases, mm-hmm. they there hasn't been many cases, but there, there's been several cases of anaphylaxis, which is just a severe reaction to um, a, a vaccine, essentially. Right. And this is that thing that I was saying that's not uncommon. It, it happens with a lot of vaccines, but this this one particularly, the Pfizer had, uh, it was 10 times more likely that people would react to in it with a case of anaphylaxis than um, I think it was from influenza. Influenza, yeah. Vaccine. So, yep. so it's significant there, but again, anaphylaxis is not a, a, like a horrible thing. People get over it pretty quickly. It's usually some allergic reaction high fever, tiredness, headaches, muscle pain, chills, joint pain. Uh, sometimes you get redness or rash on the actual skin in the place where uh, you got the dosage there. So um, not a huge issue. Uh, we haven't seen any severe side effects yet that um, we think are significant enough to, to be concerned about. Um, so the, the biggest thing is that um, it's important to think about what, what you're dealing with, you know, what the, the gain of getting the vaccine and mm-hmm. the, the, the con of, of getting COVID-19 if you are in those higher 
risk classifications if you have a comorbidity or if you have if you're of elderly age right which we could talk about in a second yeah and this was all according to the fda by the way we're not just like pulling these this stuff out of our butts so so before I t- we talk about that a little bit more let's talk about what you can do um to protect yourself yeah definitely um we can definitely go into that uh i think the biggest thing um that you can do just to start off with i mean it's pretty obvious don't smoke first off um because copd can be directly related to smoking and so that is one of the comorbidities that leads to higher death for COVID-19 so uh that's that's one thing even scarring of lungs so smoking really anything you should probably try to stay away from that right now um, during this time Uh, eat a diet high in fruits and vegetables we always talk about this exercise regularly um, maintain a healthy weight Uh, and going back to exercising regularly people think that because we're in a pandemic they shouldn't exercise because they're at a higher risk for getting Mm COVID-19 but if you have a comorbidity of being unhealthy, you should definitely exercise because it actually strengthens your immune system. People right. think that it weakens your immune system because your heart rate's elevated, which is totally bad. Definitely a common misconception there. Yeah. And if you are worried about going into the gym, then you can totally run outside. Yeah, it's cold. You can work. You, there's plenty of videos you can watch online about uh, indoor workouts. So. There's plenty of alternatives than to going into a congested gym if if that is your concern. Yep, definitely. Uh, if you drink alcohol, try to drink in moderation as much as possible because when you drink large amounts, when you drink large amounts, uh, it actually lowers your immune system. So you want to get adequate sleep to keep your immune system functioning on high levels as well and take other steps to avoid infection, such as washing your hands frequently and cooking meats thoroughly and so try to minimize stress is another one yeah so meditate do all those things i think that was episode three potentially that we talked about all that um you know yep yeah meditating and taking your time to yourself that's that's huge so i think uh we can wrap it up we got a few minutes left to wrap up here um and just some takeaways here Uh, one thing to note that we um didn't touch on yet is that there was no data to even support yet how how long or what the duration to protect from the vaccine will provide. So basically, they didn't know, they didn't have anything to inform us on about the duration of protection that the vaccine would provide you. So it could be a couple months, could be one year. We have no idea. So you have to take that into consideration and think, are you really at a high risk for dying um, from this before you take the vaccine? Right. And that's a good point, Nick. I think um, another thing to consider is since there is the the issue of uh, we're kind of at a limited capacity of vaccines, um, if you are in that lower risk category and you're healthy, you're young, you don't have comorbidities, maybe you know take the back seat and allow the people that really do need this vaccine, those, those elderly people, the people with comorbidities to get the vaccine and then um, you can then take it if you still feel you know the need to right or being forced by work or something like that but yep. yeah um, we think that it, it's just advantageous for 
the elderly or people with comorbidities to get it first. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's going to be regulations on that too, as it starts getting rolled out. Because right. right now it's for first responders only. It's going to start getting rolled out to probably people of a certain age second. So we're not going to have that big of a say in it, but just to keep in mind and be mindful of it, like, uh, do you really need it? If you're really scared about it, get it. I don't want you to have anxiety about it. But um, in my mind, I personally don't think that I'm going to get it. Yeah. To be honest. But That's anyway, um, takeaways, stay away from plastic. <laughs> <laughs> stay away from plastic. That's plastic causes COVID-19. <laughs> um, uh, no, in all seriousness, takeaways, um, just, just do, be safe. Yeah. Just do there. the right things. Do we the know, right things. We know, we know it's all, it's all common sense. We know how to avoid colds. You were told in middle school. Yeah. All right. Don't, it's the same thing. Don't rub your nose and touch people and wash your hands Yeah, off into your elbow, wear a mask, be socially distance, you know, do all those mm -hmm. things and you're going to be, you're going to be okay. Um, yep. And uh, thank you to the first responders, medical. Yep. Uh, thank you to the restaurant industry. Thank you to all these people that have been impacted and have to have to pivot or mm -hmm. have to serve even more than they do every day. So we yeah. appreciate you. Yep. And uh, thank you. Yep. That's it. I think that, we'll that's Nick, it. Do you have anything else to say? Uh, if you're going to get a vaccine, choose Pfizer and, uh, they are going to be one of our sponsors from now on. So, uh, sponsored by Pfizer, sponsored by Pfizer. Thank, Thank you deal. for the check Pfizer. All right. Appreciate it. That is all. All right. See you guys next time. Bye y'all. Bye.